Good morning, people of the internet. You're listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Dev Sodiger. And I'm the other co-host, Hugh David, and on today's show, we're looking at minute 29, where in the whole tone of the film, shifts on a dump. Joining us today, we have Aaron Neweth of Out Now with Aaron and Abe, as well as writer at We Live, We Live, sorry, We Live Entertainment, my apologies. Aaron, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Glad to be back. Fantastic. Yes, indeed. It's been a good week so far with you. Very much so. Um, so we left things off at that moment where the film reveals its rom-com ambitions, having already worked through two or three other genres <laughs> along the way. Yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful blend, what in India we would call a masala film. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's Bollywood. It's, it's got that thing. It's got that thing where it mixes up genre, tone, ideas. Yes, it doesn't have a musical the way Bollywood does, but the soundtrack matters. Yeah, and it does it in less than show six hours. somebody in Mumbai and say, yeah, oh yeah, this is one of those Bollywood movies. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm just saying, that I, there's a reason why you have two Asians presenting this podcast. <laughs> it chimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know, I, I can imagine a producer 10 years earlier trying to, you know, make the film be one thing or the other. I can imagine them trying to, like, smack it down and go, no, 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 you, 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 this is off. You know, totally take that bit out and keep this bit or take that bit out. You can't be all of these things, you know? Yeah, yeah it's not just a, a comedy action movie with a romantic interest, right? Like, no. it's, it's, it's much better balanced than that and more finely balanced than that. Yes. Every Which part is... of the film is that genre as yeah. it's happening. Which is the recipe for a cult film because yes. it's so hard to sell that because, I mean, you, you have to tell an audience through a trailer in two minutes what the movie is. And it's like, so what is this? It's, a, it's about assassins. It's a it's about a hot it's about a high school reunion. I saw Romeo and Michelle's. I saw that trailer. What's this? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a rom com. Is it? Is it an action? Like it's. What do you do with this? So it's not a surprise that like, you know, audience would find this later because they discovered it's like, oh, this is great. Why didn't I watch this in theaters? In yeah. theaters, it's like, you know, it did okay at best, but it, you yeah. know, it wasn't it wasn't a smash hit by any means. I, I think yeah. that it, it 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 is as you say. It is the classic definition of a cult film. It is not there. There is. This is not a film I can imagine. You know, too many films that want to be cult these days set out to be cult from the start. Yeah. This film didn't. This is a film, prop film, made for the theatres, you know, expecting to recoup something on home video, but that's not what it's aiming at. And it is, without a doubt, classic cult in that sense, because you have to get what you have to get on its wavelength <laughs> to enjoy it. And it's not going to spoon feed you and it's not going to. Uh, hold out its hand to you. It's just going to be itself, um, and I think that's the joy of it. But here now, minute twenty nine, and we have uh, Martin Q playing John Cusack's character, and we have the Debbie who gives our podcast its name, <laughs> played by Minnie Driver in her radio station, and they stand there in the studio with the windows behind them framing them, and um, it, perfect very... backlit, yeah. backlit yep. silhouetted rom com. Guy yeah. and girl, small town, picturesque. Yeah, the the sort of, the sort of thing you're. Uh, that that is, would you say that this is an antecedent for the the delights of your wife's favorite uh, subgenre, 
Dev. <laughs> the, 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 so like for a, Aaron's benefit, my wife has a fascination and an obsession with the Hallmark Christmas movies, which I am not going to lie, I also kind of share. I do quite like them. Of my little girlfriend's uh, a big fan of the Hallmark Christmas movies. They, I've seen they, a number of them. Same, yeah. same. I've seen, yeah. one, I've seen one with Joan Cusack. Actually. Yeah, the Christmas exactly. train. Yeah, yeah. The, tra- the Christmas train. And like, okay, because <laughs> this is the tangent we definitely need to go on. <laughs> I was, I, I had this. Run, we were watching the Christmas train. It, it was like first airing, and I had this running thought that no one's interacting with Joan Cusack. I'm wagering she's a ghost. She wasn't a ghost, but still, I wanted to hold on to the <laughs> idea that the whole time that she was a ghost. I kept saying it throughout the movie. I'm like, once again, nobody else is talking to her except this one person. I think she's a ghost. <laughs> Joan Cusack is the sixth sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I love man. how weirdly awkward she plays it in that film as well. It's mm. just. It's so perfectly done. Like a ghost would. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Sixth Sense would have been better with John Cusack instead of Bruce Willis. I've just realized. At most, it would have been better with most any actor. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Willis. Oh, he's not. Willis isn't you're, that you're coming bad. coming down hard, it's... and I think he's fantastic. Like those are oh, no. his, those are his he... good performances with Shia. Yeah, well, no, they, Black, they are good. Manning, but... With Shia, a lot, I think he's really good. He, he, he is, plays, but I'm just because he has to play sad puppy dog in Sixth Sense really like to a point. Yeah. I think it works really well. I yeah, I, I don't I know if I could I don't know if I could see Cusack being that sad that long without. Well, any... it's just that he always is, though, isn't he? Cusack's a pretty hang dog. As he it, plays as hang as dog, it. but there's a something up. There's a detachedness to I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I, see, no, I need to I watch Sixth Sense again to really analyze this and think no, about No, no, no. I see what you're getting at. I see what you're getting at. That yeah. is, yeah. Okay, I'm. I'm like I'm, I can see him playing the psychiatrist side of it for sure. Playing the yes, exactly. I don't talk to my wife for some reason side of it. I don't. I I I think Willis is really good with that. So there's something there that you know he doesn't get to tap into very much. And this has been the Sixth Sense minute. Uh, so. <laughs> well, it was the Joan Cusack minute there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> we just Which has been before. Yeah. It's been before. We've done that before. One episode, we, it was a pure jo- Joan Cusack, <laughs> you know, praise We had a good time yeah. with that. Um, I mean, so yes. bringing it back to this minute, I think there is some really, really fun, snappy dialogue in this, in this minute. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it really quickly sells why these two work so well as a couple. Mm. Um, this this back and forth, you know, what have you been doing with yourself? Living out in California. I, I still think it odd that he would answer with California because I can't imagine anyone not saying living in L.A. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, a lot of travel, like super vague answers, but very, very quick with the answers. and she's pushing for more and more information out of him. And then a, another instance of a minute cutting badly, we just don't quite hear his response to, so what do you do for a living? Mm. But, I mean, was... but he, I, I mean, and that's jumping ahead of it, but like, it is the answer that he gives honestly. <laughs> one of the, it is, it is. One of the, yeah. you know, he does it only a couple of times with him and Piven and, and uh, her father where he's like, Professional killing, like <laughs> no, 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 no around it. Uh, and uh, and and with every one of those, nobody ever quite believes him, except for the the father, right? Yeah. 
he everybody plays else. That's a, I mean, that's that's a minute for you guys later on. But that he, that that's a pitch perfect response where he just he takes like one pause and is like, oh, growth industry, like, way to get in while the ground's hot on that one. <laughs> <laughs> to back up in this one though, like before even like the dialogue starts, this whole like we're seeing each other for the first time what does that mean and they look like two like birds doing like a dance of like what is the next move and then they immediately make out in a way that's so like it's like i i like i don't know what the direction would be for that scene it's like you both don't necessarily need to do this but you feel like this is what's required in this moment to like settle something and then Mm. they back off and when he backs off it's great because he he hands back in the pocket he like backs way back to like the back of the door again all of a sudden like he just has such nervous energy of like i don't know what my move like i'm a professional assassin who kills people with with like you know carefully planned out strategy i don't know what to do with this dj booth right now (laughs) yeah exactly weird for me (laughs) and then she's got that weird look on her face like she's like oh okay now we're moving we're moving and and you should say something now huh? yeah right yeah yeah like 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 wait okay that's not it that's not what we're doing. <laughs> it's, it's it's so yeah. It's beautiful. It's just well, yeah. I like you say. I do wonder what Armitage said at the time, and I do wonder considering how much of the dialogue on the page got cut with this scene. I I do wonder how this all played out. Um, the other thing I was noticing was, and I get I see this more and more as I get older. And it's not always accurate. Actors are actors. It's their job to act. It's their job to pretend. But the amount of times when you can see when actors are genuinely into each other as people, there is something in the air between them. And it isn't just the performance and it isn't just the doubt saying on your marks that as they lead into that kiss and the way it works and the way the whole film plays out. And I, so I just looked it up and yes, guess what? They did date because of this film for a year. And I'm like, yep, that makes complete sense to me. There is just something about their chemistry about the, the the way they inhabit the, not just the characters but there is a clear sense of the, in their physical nature around them yes they're doing what the characters need yes they're doing what the film needs but also they themselves are into each other and i think that's a huge part of what sells the film yeah far be it for me to like speculate too much but it's not surprising because like you're in a such a an intimate place where you're like working with someone days on end and you need to like get close to them and that just seems yes. like a part of the because like she also dates matt damon after goodwill hunting for a good long while yes too. And I think that comes from, yeah, you're spending hours on end going over lines or, you know, getting the yeah. chemistry right or like figure, figuring out like how this works between us. And, that you know, as act, you know, being actors, you need to like really like tap into certain kinds of places and emotions. I think it's hard yeah. to get out of a certain place emotionally with that connection that you suddenly form with somebody you're working yeah. with so, you know, intimately. It's also interesting that apparently he has a history of dating his co-stars. It's like it's a serial thing. So Jamie Gertz, Sixteen Candles, um, Melissa uh, Gilbert cheated with him actually because her her fiance cheated with someone else uh, when he was on Say Anything, Lily Taylor, uh, when he was on Bullets Over Broadway, Susanna Melvoin. <laughs> so kind of interesting, not what I was expecting. I always figured he was like you know, fair, he's, uh, he's, like, got... he's like a famous bachelor, like he's not, yeah, he's not, yeah. He's not married, like you know, yeah. you know he's. He's a, especially during that time, he's a handsome guy. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not surprising. No, well, I don't know why. It's not so much that I'm surprised. It's more kind of like, I just never thought about it. I just thought, yeah, he's a handsome dude. People like him, you know? I, I never thought about the fact that one of the reasons he's as good as he is with these performances is there's a real, the energy is real. 
the 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 attraction is real and i think you know yeah, like he's not a method actor but he's a guy that no. like he takes especially uh, Tilly agrees with you, Aaron. Tilly absolutely agrees with you on this. Cusack. (laughs) You know, like, stuff here or there comes up where he got, you know, drawn into or whatnot. But for the most part, like, the roles he takes are very particular. You know, like we mentioned, you mentioned, like, Con Air. It's like, yeah, there's not many blockbusters on his resume because he doesn't really operate that way, right? He operates it. And, you know, take away the... This is minus, like, the direct-to-video stuff, which is paying the bills. That's later on. But, like, during this period of time, you know, looking at Say Anything, High Fidelity, this... Eight men out, the grifters, like it's made, it's choices oh, great being films, made. Those. Great films, yeah. yeah. It's 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 stuff being, you know, you know, yeah. So that's classy stuff as well, though. All the stuff you've mentioned is stuff by, you know, either directed or written or by produced by, you know, authors and art house people and, you know, people who who are famous already before they get to it. And as you say, he's made he made clear choices to. To, to 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 work on a, in a broader palette than your typical Hollywood career. Um, and it is interesting that I mean, yes, he's as you say, he doesn't do blockbusters, but he has made sure he's got one Bruckheimer under his belt. He has made sure that he's got a one Stephen King under his belt. <laughs> you know, it's like every now and then he does them, but and he does the interesting ones. He doesn't do the really super super commercial tacky ones, like like uh, you know, like we were saying the other the other episode where we were talking about Conair. You know, it's not it wasn't intended to be. I mean, obviously it's a Bruckheimer summer hit. It was intended. You know, that Nick Cage was riding high off the back of the rock, you know, and as well as his Oscar off leaving Vegas, but people were still getting their heads around the idea of Cage as a, as a, an action star. And there was something, you know, I can remember the trailer for Conan. I can remember my friends going, that looks incredible. And I'm still, I was sitting there going, yeah, but will it be, you know, and it wasn't until you actually were in the theater watching it and you're like, Oh, this is mad. This is crazy. And Cusack's right there in it holding his own. Um, but I think he's always ended up on the slightly odder blockbusters. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. consider fourteen oh eight to be your, your typical Stephen King. Yeah, he he is, you know, what he would I think what he would consider thinking man's stuff, stuff that seems like yeah. intriguing to him outside of like the, you know, the standard things. Which you know, Con Air for that kind of a role he's playing, where he's like, hey, he's like the smart guy in the room. Like that's yeah, you know, yeah. Like yeah. you look at you look at his you know a lot of, you know the. Um, he works with a lot of his same guys, like writers and stuff. So you have this yeah. and High Fidelity and Pushing Tin and um, even like Serendipity. Like regardless of the, like how much you like any mm. of those films, it's a lot of like his people like coming together to like do another thing. And if it's not that, it's mm. then I'll work with Terrence Malick. I'll work with my friend yeah. Tim Robbins. I'll work with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Like, you know, like after, because like the eight, like the early 80s, it's like the teen stuff, right? He's a teen actor. Yeah. He's doing these comedies. And I think when he does say anything of Cameron Crowe, like he did eight him out, and then he does say anything. I think when he does that, that's where he sees like a teen comedy. Where it's like these could be more than just me like acting like yeah. a, you know, like you know, whatever. Like and um, and those are fun. Like I like the shirt thing. I like uh, one crazy. Like those, they're you know they're fine. But I feel like he probably saw like a movie like Say Anything, which had a, it's a better screenplay by all means. And it's like I could be doing more of this. And then I think that's what he. Yes. He's a star at that. He's a star, he's a good he's a big enough star at that point where he can make certain decisions. And I think he just actively chooses yeah. like things like that from then on. Um, you know, things shift because that's just how fame works for it. Now it's like, no, I gotta start making some, you know, lesser things mm. than I maybe would have normally associated myself with. But for a good run there from like the mid late eighties to like the mid two thousands, he was you know, mm. choosing a lot of in, what he would consider interesting projects. God, I'd forgotten he's in the ice harvest. And Runaway I Jury. like the Ace Harvest a lot. That's the... Yeah, it's a good film. The one, 
I was just reminded of was uh, Max, which I I thought was an excellent film. I do you know I've and not seen that. I've just seen it. It's positive. Yeah, it's it's worth watching. It's it's quite a difficult watch, but it is very much in that more you know, uh, Ota oh, kind of Noah Taylor. That's what he Oprah. considers one of his like shining moments of his career like he i think when like 1408 came out he was saying like there's like eight movies i really love that i did max was one of them for sure oh my god that is exactly my kind of film and plot and that cast is incredible okay i'm yeah. gonna be hunting yes. this one down this is gonna take a while because the other one i found recently digging around in dvd sales was um uh something i saw years ago on vhs which was pushing tin where yeah. he and um uh oh what's his billy name bob. billy bob billy they're playing bob. the competing <laughs> blah, blah. Blah, the, playing the competing um, air, air traffic controllers, um, and it, it, you know it's not a great film, but it's an interesting enough film that I don't mind paying a pound fifty for a DVD of. You know, just to have because he just that thing hasn't made it through to any kind of modern service. And I forgot he was in being John in being John Malkovich, which I saw in the cinema. That was great. Yeah, jeez, man, that nineties period, that late nineties yeah, is like... still so strong. <laughs> yeah. God. That's crazy that it just suddenly, yeah, just suddenly kind of stopped. Not stops, but like you said, he, he makes some choices, doesn't he? Ah, well, so, and then of course Mini Driver, you know, also made those choices and famously stopped, basically, for quite a while and didn't come back until uh, she did that, uh, The Riches with Eddie Izzard and you know, um, and then and now is again, you know, taking time out, and then it's all been with her. It's all been about family, raising her kids. Well, she had now TV she's... also. I mean, she's, she's yeah, done. yeah, that's true. Pizak's never been the only one to do TV apart from the Utopia remake for Amazon, um, where she's quite happy to do TV. You know, she started out in it. She was happy to go back to it, and she may. And I, I must. I keep saying this. I need to read her bio because she did the biography lot. Uh, autobiography last year, so I really want to have a read of that because it's, it's meant to be very. Uh, it's, not, it's not not so much the tell-all thing; it's more the kind of the entertainment value of how she goes from one thing to another and ends up in this life. But yeah, I always thought that she was an unusual uh, actress to become a star or to become, you know, renowned in all of these big vehicles because she was so she's so not the traditional. Hollywood actress visually in that for that if it's thinking of that era, but then she's also not the only one to break that mold at that time. I you know thinking of like something like um, Go with both Sarah Polly and Katie Holmes and a whole bunch of other people in it that makes that you know much more interesting faces in the indie scene, kind of doing indie things. That's fair. I mean, like her, she never really has much of a lead period. Like it, it's mm. it's pretty much like Gross Point Blank, Good Will Hunting. Till like like up to geez, what where does it stop? I mean, it, it's not it's not long. Like two thousand would return to me, which is like totally like David. Mm. After that, it's just like supporting roles, you know, or she becomes the yeah. mother pretty quickly in a lot of things, or yeah. like the, the the side character. Yeah, which is nothing. I mean, she's a very good actress. It's not a not a problem. Um, <laughs> but, um... I, yeah, I just think it was one of those things where, when I was younger, you sort of I kind of got. I hadn't. It was a weird thing to get my head around the idea that people would leave these businesses and go do mm. their own thing. And it wasn't until I got into DVD and film myself that I was like, "Oh, now I see why people leave." <laughs> you know, there's only so long you can do these things before what's left of your soul is just scraping at the insides to try and get out. And you're like, "I need to do something else um, and get back to a slightly more human approach." 
Uh, and, I, and so I, these days I look at it now like, oh, good on you. <laughs> you got out. <laughs> well done. It's cool. Um, so, yeah, very, very good actress. Though. So good. The other thing is she got that Oscar nomination so early on, too. And it's like, yeah. it, it's a matter of like, so what do we put you with now? Like, what what is that? And it, and it doesn't really, because she had, like you mentioned, she has a unique kind of presence where it's like, seem like too mature to be like the young girlfriend of kids yes. and give people and like but you're, yeah she's you're got that grown too up old going on, yeah. in hollywood terms for like other yes. things so it's like they it, it didn't like match out for her as far as becoming like a consistent leading star in things yeah yeah and and i think she's too early to be uh accepted as the lead female role in most traditional hollywood movies because she is that bit too different she's not the the hollywood ideal for and, the, and, the, and it's the competing game is you know there's there's you know 20 other actresses that are all also You're competing right. for the same kind of thing yeah yeah that are maybe I mean, more the a... flavor of the month or what have you yeah this is exactly what i'm hoping to find out in her book i'm re- i'm actually really interested to see who she was up against in auditions for various roles that she didn't get i'm actually quite interested to see what was what constituted her her, her competition um i i think that could be very eye-opening um <coughs> she, she's definitely not the only Brit at that time starting to make their way across the pond. And yeah, I mean, this is just... the same period as Catherine Tita Jones is over. Yep. Um, and this is kind of just coming along as well. Yeah. yeah. So I do wonder if it was just that sudden. Australia seem to do... everybody in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There always seems to be a wave, doesn't there? It's like there was that point in American TV where all of a sudden there's like blonde American, blonde Australians all suddenly turning up and playing cops. And you're like, well, or something, all the investigators of one sort or another. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> but it just, that's just the way it is, I guess. Uh, as far oh, as, in... um, as far as this scene goes, yes. <laughs> getting back to that thing we're talking sorry, about. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, bad habit, bad habit. Um, there's the whole makeout thing. Then there's the Cusack ramping up the nervous energy to my favorite question that he asks. How long has it been? <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess, how long has it been? Ten years? <laughs> And she just goes back and it was like, oh, since you like, like, uh, stood me up in prom and left me forever without any way in a word. Uh, yeah, uh, 10 years. Yeah, I think that's just about. It's not the 11th year reunion, I don't believe. Yeah, it's the 10th year reunion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it is just. And, and again, as I was just saying in the previous episode, they've cut so much dialogue that was on the page and there wasn't that much dialogue. And, and instead, it's that whole exchange you've just narrated that work, still contains the tone, but works so much better, yeah. so much better. Um, and and all it, of that nervous teenage energy, it really feels like mm-hmm. the last time they saw each other was like right at the end mm. of high school. Like they're, they're acting exactly the same way all over mm-hmm. again. Mm. Mm. So what have, you, what have you been up to? California business. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that's, all. that's ten years, huh? <laughs> like he he gives more to Pivot than he does to her with that answer. Like, yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, oh, and I think that's because he cares about her response more. He's yeah, he's uh, more worried sure. about letting her down than yeah. Like, you mm. know, Paul. He he you know. They're buds, like you kind of can say anything, and and Paul will just roll with it. Yeah, yeah. 
but also it's interesting because they cast Piven in it. I, what I love about Paul, and obviously we'll have to talk about it more when we get there, but there is a mounting sense of his frustration takes a while to come out. It builds and it builds because he gets these answers. And you know, he knows he's being fobbed off. Whereas with Mini Driver's character, you know, you know, Debbie's just like, bam, <laughs> this is how long it's been. And this is what's going on. You can just see the kind of rewind slightly in her head. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm supposed to be mad at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh dear. But yeah, it is a, a, a lovely minute in that sense. We're um, we're way past, but since we're on Paul for a bit here, my favorite, my one of my favorite lines in this movie, like absolute, like top three favorites, is, um, <laughs> freaking, I want to fuck it up. The um, when they're dr- when they're driving along, um, Paul and Paul and Martin, and uh, he says, "Here's Jimmy's place." Kind of crept up on you, huh? No, you drove us here. <laughs> 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 yeah I, I i've got a young couple with uh decision making disorder i need to hold their hands and reinforce their clarity mm-hmm. the other line i like of his <laughs> oh the other thing we haven't mentioned i mean i know we were talking about the conversation between them and the way it works but i absolutely love her reaction to him saying just a bang on the end of the minute when he says uh when she, when he says his job and he actually just goes with the truth and yeah uh, you know and her response i know is at the start of the next minute but it's just wonderful because it says everything about her and her mm. attitude and her the way she th- she she kind of coats with things you know um okay. but yeah i'll save that for the next episode so. all right. right so let's wrap this baby up uh, this was <clears throat> Minute 29 of the Gross Point Blank Podcast, W Radio 79.5 FM, featuring your hosts, co-writers and co-producers, Des Oligar and myself, Hugh David. Today's guest was Aaron Newworth of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. And where can we find more about you, Aaron? Everything I do ends up at my personal blog, thecodazeek.com. Um, I do host the podcast, How Now with Aaron and Abe, weekly movie releases that we discuss, and a lot more fun, fun nonsense with my friend Abe. Uh, and various hosts, various uh, guests. Uh, I write for League of Entertainment for movie reviews and Why So Blue for movie and criterion reviews. And I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Fantastic. And you can find us on all good podcast players as well as on YouTube, X, aka Twitter, and Spotify at Debbie Radio, as well as on our website, DebbieRadio.com. And for all of those, it is Debbie spelled D E B I. And if you want to talk with us, please join the Facebook's listeners group, Debbie Radio 79.5 FM Fan Club. And we will hopefully be able to get back to your questions and comments there. If that for now, thank you very much indeed. Goodbye. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl. Smoking for the first time. It wasn't a moment It was a feeling of mood